0: up and welcome back to the something's brewing podcast on a two-week hiatus but that's yeah. okay always brought to you in partnership with the black and gold productions llc you can follow them on twitter at bng productions baby seventh oh episode 37 the 37. patrice Bergeron episode <laughs> the, Capitan. Uh, the the captain the the long time leader of the Boston Bruins organization the um, the guy who embodies everything about The organization itself, just the leadership ability by the guy. There's nothing. There's 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 too many good words to say about Patrice Bergeron. You could you we could use a whole episode in itself to just talk about Bergeron. But welcome (laughs) to the Patrice Bergeron episode, episode thirty-seven. There's so much to talk about today. We're gonna kind of try to condense two weeks into one episode because we did miss last week. Um, We were both crazy busy, me and Nick. Um, But. Before we really get into it, um, you can, as always, follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. Follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. And before we get into any Bruins talk, I'm going to give the former, well, not really former, the always QU alum, Cornelopeak University alum, Nick Melanson the floor to talk about the boys and what they accomplished this week. Oh, my God, what a week
1: of emotions. Week, two weeks of emotions it has been for myself and the rest of Quinnipiac Nation. Honestly, last game, it felt like Minnesota versus the world because it seemed like everybody wanted them to lose. Um, but I could not be more excited about, of course, my alma mater, Quinnipiac University taking home their first program uh, national championship. I do want to give a shout out to the women's rugby team because I've been seeing a lot of people tweet that this is Quinnipiac's first ever national championship it's not the women's rugby team three-peated um Damn. from like 2014 to 2017 yeah i know they're good and nobody was ever talking about them but Nasty. um i know but this is this is huge um for quinnipiac obviously and and um you know i feel like when people talk about quinnipiac um not just the program but the school like a, a lot of what you see on like twitter is people like oh it's just like obnoxious kids from tri-state area and they don't (laughs) care about hockey and oh, their team is full of 24 and 25 year olds but like hockey is so important to the culture of what is that school and i feel like you don't really get it unless you're on campus you don't really get to see it but like quinnipiac they don't have a football team we don't have a big baseball team we have a basketball team but you can walk into that stadium at any time and sit down and get a seat that school eats breathes and sleeps hockey. I mean the yes. the second the second that those tickets are open to the student portal they're gone within seconds. Like you have to jump on that. They have season ticket holders. It's not just big within the school. It's huge within the community as well. I mean, they have a top-level college hockey program in a in a state that lost their NHL team. I mean, Quinnipiac is huge to what it that's is, a, you know, you hockey know what? in Connecticut.
0: That's a good point. That's, a, that's kind of a hockey-starved state, and the closest thing they have to a professional team right now is um – Quinnipiac and I guess UConn too. I'm not sure if they have an AHL team, but either way, like college hockey trumps the AHL. 100%.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, and it's 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 a perfect melting pot of hockey fans because um Quinnipiac, of course, it's located about a half hour south of Hartford. It's about an hour and a half from New York City, maybe two and a half, three hours from Boston. And a lot of people who go there are diehard Bruins fans. They're diehard Rangers fans and they're diehard Flyers fans. And yep. you get those three genres of fans put them together and have them all be maniacs for their college team it's hockey is huge there and um you know people talk about Quinnipiac I was seeing people on Twitter saying Quinnipiac I didn't even know there was a school or Quinnipiac I've never heard of that I saw (laughs) my my friend Ethan yeah yeah Ethan Moriarty (laughs) who who is on this show all the time for his tweets and his voicemails and stuff he tweeted a picture wearing a Quinnipiac hat and somebody and Quinnipiac hat right after they won the national championship and said repping my school today and somebody commented or tweeted back and was like hey there's a river named that in Connecticut <laughs> it's like and it's like that's just what they get but like what this school has built and I I would highly recommend anybody to go listen to the newest uh, Spit and chicklets podcast Quinnipiac head coach Rand Pecknold Uh, was the guest on that episode it's amazing Um, but what people don't realize I feel like Quinnipiac needs to get more respect because what what Mm. he's built Rand Pecknold has built over the last 30 years of being a head coach of Quinnipiac like some of these teams like Minnesota North Dakota BU BC these Midwest teams they've been huge hockey programs for decades Wisconsin all of them Quinnipiac in the early 90s they were D3 or D2 Rand Pecknell got his coaching start in D3. If you listen to the podcast, he goes on to say he he took a coaching job at Quinnipiac College at the time. They were the Quinnipiac Braves. They were a D2 team. They offered him the head coaching job. making They, offered, they promised him $7,000 a week or $7,000 salary. Sorry, not a week, salary. And he ended up making $6,700. He had a side job as a history teacher at the time. And Quinnipiac practiced at midnight. That was the only ice they could get. They practiced after public skate at the local rink. This is the near national championship, Quinnipiac University. This is how they started. And he went on to say that the, the first year he was Quinnipiac's coach, they had 10 skaters and 12 goalies. And he had to ask the goalies that didn't get cut. He said, can you guys skate? Because we need players. Like you're, I'm not cutting anybody because we don't have the numbers. I need, I'll need. i pick two, two out of the 12 to be our goalies. The other 10, you guys got to skate out. And they suck the first year. They suck the second year. Um, And I mean, you can listen to the podcast and go through the whole lore of everything. But, um, you know, through the president, Leahy, uh, Gordie Howe came in and helped get funding for the stadium. Um, uh, Vermont left ECAC, went to Hockey East. There was an open spot since Quinnipiac just put all this money into building a new stadium. They got the last spot to join the ECAC. And it's been history ever since then. They've slowly been building this program up over the last 29 years since Rand Pecknold became head coach at the age of 27 and they somehow miraculously made it to the national championship in 2013 right into a wagon of, of uh, North Dakota and lost. They ran into Yale, their arch rival, Battle of Whitney in 2016 in the national championship and unfortunately lost. And here they are 2023 playing against Minnesota, a team that is the the cradle of hockey in America. A team that's been good forever, who hasn't won a national championship in, in over 20 years. And Quinnipiac comes and does the impossible, and they beat them. And it, like, I've, I, I talk about Quinnipiac a lot on this show as a joke, kind of, but also because, like, I'm so, I've never been more proud of any team in my entire life. Like, it's, I can't even explain to it. And, like, just, just everything, like, looking back at Ram Pecknold's career, looking back at the rise of Quinnipiac, to think 20 years ago, this is a team. That was that was that was D2 that was practicing mm-hmm. at midnight after public skate that had goalies playing forward like and, and 20 years later, they're a national champion. It's it's unbelievable. I'm so proud to be from Quinnipiac um, and they've done the impossible. And another thing I wanted to add, too, before we start talking about the Bruins regarding Quinnipiac is for everybody saying that, oh, like Quinnipiac has 24, 25. Oh, your team is so old. The guys that Quinnipiac has are the players that your team's passed up. Half of Quinnipiac's roster, their only offer was from Quinnipiac. Yanni Peretz, the guy who I think should have won, what's the Richter award? Is that what what the goalie award is? Yes. Respectfully, he should have won that. He had like a 1.4 goals against average and a 940 save percentage. He set multiple ECAC records for a goalie. He won the national championship, and I get this all takes place before the national championship. We're not taking anything away from uh, was it Levy? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, yeah, Levi. He's nice. He's going to be he's good doing, Dude, he, he is. He is, no, He's insane. He's I'm not taking.
0: Problem. I'm, yeah, problem. I'm not taking
1: anything away from him at all, but that's a guy who they asked him, this is a guy uh, you know what? I want to pull up Perrette's stats right now because like, it will do a lot more justice. If I say what the actual numbers are, um, he's 23. His only offer was from Quinnipiac university last year. He had 31 starts, 939 save percentage, 1.17 goals against average and 11 shutouts. Jesus,
0: He was 22, shutouts? five and
1: two 11 shutouts. This year he had 41 starts, 931 save percentage, 1.49 goals against average and 10 Jesus. shutouts. And he's 34 4 and 3. This is a guy Jesus. who is right. now gonna get an NHL contract who just won the national championship. And they asked him after they won, why did you come to Quinnipiac? And he said, Quinnipiac was the only team that offered me. Wow. And that's half of that's half of this team. Guys don't transfer. They stay for four years because they love the culture, because they love the school, because they love the coaching staff. They get an opportunity and it resulted in a national championship. And now like in, you know, like a team like Minnesota, they, it's a huge school. They win the national championship. Big deal for their program. If Quinnipiac wins a national championship, which they just did, like this is this is monumental for the school. Quinnipiac isn't a big school. They have less than 10,000 students. They're undergoing a million renovations right now. Like this is putting the school on a map. So I'm so proud of the school. So proud of the team. I've never been more anxious in my entire life watching a hockey game than, than that Quinnipiac game, the national championship. And it's cool to see them all over social media. And as I told you right before we recorded, as soon as the game ended, I went on fanatics about everything that they had. Yeah. I bought t-shirts, hats, I bought a pint glass, it's awesome. I'm excited, and I'm hoping next year that they repeat.
0: Hey, well, congrats to the Quinnipiac Bobcats. Um, incredible season. It was a an incredible um, Frozen, you know, Frozen Four tournament. It was awesome, yeah. uh, start to finish. But I, I do want to say right now, I got two games on the TV. I got the Bruins game. Uh, we're recording right now during the Bruins Capitals game, and I'm also watching the Toronto Tampa game. So, a little preview right before playoff start of that first round matchup. Patrick Maroon just got hurt in the corner. Like, oh bro He got he got up and skated away, but he did just get hurt. But um, there's the, regardless, there's plenty to talk about right now. This episode, um, Bruins uh, set the record for most wins in a season at 63. An incredible accomplishment for this team that's just been dominant all season long from start to finish, from the goaltenders um, to the scoring depth to the defensive depth. Um, there, there's a lot of decisions that Jim Montgomery is going to have to make and we're going to kind of talk through some of them. We're, we're going to read off a couple of DMs or we're going to skip the Spank Bank segment this week just because, you know, this is the episode before playoffs start, essentially. So we're going to be focused more on what the team should be doing in our opinions and what, what you guys and what we as fans should expect heading into playoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean, what an accomplishment from this team. Uh, they, they beat out that Red Wings team. They beat out that lightning team that tied tied the Red Wings a couple of years ago. Um, and they're now the number one team in NHL history in terms of wins. <laughs> With two games to go, with two games to go, including the Washington game tonight. I mean, come on. And then you got, and then you got Montreal, Montreal last game. I mean, come on, come on, come, come, on. On. <laughs> come on. I wonder, I wonder who they're going to put into that lineup
1: against you know, Montreal. you know. I want to
0: see Brandon Bussey in net. I, I want to see. I want to see Bussey, dude. Can they call up
1: because of his contract? Are they allowed to call up Laura or Does he have to stay in Providence?
0: They can. Yes, they can.
1: I would love to see him
0: get a game. If I wouldn't possible. mind. <laughs> I mean, I mean, dude. I, I mean, it, it can't hurt. No, it can't. That's the thing. But um, David Krejci obviously is is uh, he's out until playoffs. He's hopeful, and I wouldn't even say hopeful. I, I believe the word that Montgomery used was optimistic. So essentially, that means that they're literally just sending him for the final two games, and he'll be ready to go for game one of the playoffs. Um, but outside of that, we're still waiting to see how the wild card. Um turns out and who we're gonna be matched up with, it's either gonna be Pittsburgh, it's either gonna be the Islanders or Florida. There's a I guess slight chance that Buffalo can make that final push. They're on fire. I, I think they're seven-one and one in their last 10. Devin Levi looks like what everybody assumed he could be coming into the NHL. He he looks so poised, he looks so good. Um, and I'm telling you, if you're a betting man, Buffalo money line all day. I don't care. They're it, on fire. It, you
1: know, it sucks that uh Northeastern season couldn't have ended a little earlier cuz Buffalo cuz Buffalo was Buffalo was right there in the thick of the playoff hunt. Um and then they went like 2 and 8. I, <laughs> yeah, over the course <laughs> of 10 games and pretty much removed them from any playoff contention. Although like you said, they've been able to fight back and get back in it, but um Buffalo is such an exciting team
0: oh i love i as a bruins fan i'm not afraid to say that buffalo is my second favorite team in the league they are so much fun it always it always
1: makes you feel good when those teams who have just sucked for so long finally turning around and like for buffalo you could say on one hand that like they they really weren't trying but on the other hand like They kind of got screwed. Like they gave Okposo some money. He sucks. They gave Jeff Skinner a huge contract after he had a massive year. And I felt, I feel like everybody was like, this might not be the best idea. And sure enough, (laughs) <laughs> sure enough it wasn't um, you until know, this had, year
0: though he is lighting it up this year yeah
1: yeah I mean they drafted Jack Eichel they hit on him suddenly he wants out I mean they have definitely ran into a couple snags but like Tage Thompson popped that was one hell of a trade that they made to get him on their roster yeah. Owen Power and Rosmus Darlene of course those guys are popping off right now Darlene looks like a future Norris winner possibly Dude. multiple Norris winner
0: And this Alex, league that Alex guy Poff. is incredible Alex yeah in the well. Eichel trade yeah they're, I'm I mean, telling you they're gonna be this division just as a whole I mean if you look up and down the teams obviously Tampa obviously Toronto obviously the Bruins but and that's your top three but then you look Florida they won the President's Cup trophy last year they have macakachuuk who's having an MVP season if it's not for McDavid um you've got Buffalo uh, upcoming um they're they're unreal they got Devin levi all the ga- all the guys we just mentioned yeah. montreal even, obviously uh even Pol- ottawa they can get ottawa. real hot they were dude, hot there for a while i thought they were making a push me too i mean jacob chikrin tim stutzla alex DeBrinket, mm-hmm. josh norris claude Giroux. the atlantic division is fucking stacked it's then, ridiculous dude and then you even look even look at montreal and i i I mean, they're not as close as teams like Buffalo and Ottawa per se, but they still got guys like Cole Caulfield. Um, they they that, got that other kid too, Nick Suzuki. They have that Hudson kid too, who Hudson's looks coming like a
1: problem. Did you see I saw they were talking about uh they were comparing him to Kale McCarr. This yep. Hudson guy too, he was a he wasn't even a first round pick. He was a wasn't he like a second round pick or something? I believe so. Yeah, where he's he's B U, right? Yes. I believe yes. he just. I believe he just said he's coming back for his second year in BU, unless that was somebody else. Yeah, um, sucks for Montreal. But, yeah, yeah, but they were comparing him to Kale McCarr because Kale McCarr in his in his college career at UMass played like I don't I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it was like 44, 44 games and had like. 49 points or something like that.
0: Yeah, it was nothing like out of this world. Yeah, and Hudson
1: has played like 35 games and he has 48 points. And like, I know, you know, it's not apples and oranges, but still like those are like, Carol, like the Montreal could use a good defenseman. And this guy Hudson playing in BU and that's a great for his development too. If he sticks around with BU a little bit, I know they made it to the Frozen Four this year. That's great for his development. He's getting some top two minutes playing at BU because I mean, playing competitive, I know there's a huge gap between college hockey and uh, you know, the NHL. But it looks yeah. like he has some great development playing in BU and, you know, stick around there for another year. A lot of these college kids should stick around there for like not like Fantelier guy is gonna go second overall, but like a lot of these guys who were like second, third, fourth, late round picks who are suddenly popping off in college, like not to go back to Quinnipiac, but this dude Colin Graf who's undrafted kid transfer from union he's third in the in the country in points he had like 20 points last year he's got almost 60 this year stick around another year because clearly you're doing some sort of proper development in college you know it can only help it can only help your game in the long run and the big club too like Montreal should be encouraging this kid stick around and BU for another year because you know that BU has good coaches I mean they're one of the most historic hockey programs in the country
0: Dude, if you look at the prospects that are coming out of NCAA lately, I mean, obviously, Luke Hughes coming out of Michigan. Um, Lane Hudson, like you just said, Devin Levi. There's a couple more. Owen Power, obviously, was at Michigan. Um, and you can even name a whole bunch. But I'm glad that the NCAA is finally getting the recognition and that that those players deserve. Because, I mean, holy shit. This, the, the college hockey has always been good it's always been good and it's always been able to produce nhl talent but what they've been able to contribute to nh to the nhl over the past three to four years is kind of insane and and it's in these players coming out of the ncaa are essentially nhl ready you don't often see these big name players i'm not talking about Guys that you take in the third or fourth round, jumping right to the NHL. But the high picks that you're taking out of schools like Michigan, sta- schools like Minnesota Duluth, schools like Northeastern, BC, <clears throat> Johnny Gaudreau, um, <laughs> BU, all the big schools. It's it's you're you're getting these players who are able to develop playing in a high level league. And sometimes not not leaving until they're maybe 22 or 23 years old. And by that time, their strength is up. Their skill level is up. They're playing high-level competition. And it's always competitive, no matter what. And it's it's almost to an equal level of juniors now. Obviously, you're not getting players like Carter Bedard coming out of the NCAA just yet. But you're starting to see talent come out of the um, American college hockey system that is almost equivalent to Canadian juniors, yeah. and that is that's massive in terms of of prospects. And yeah. you see, and you can see teams looking more towards uh, college hockey than they used to. It used to always be straight juniors, and then you would see maybe like college hockey guys going mid to late rounds and then the occasional Johnny Gaudreau type player who would be in the first. And it would be like maybe one or two guys, but yeah,
1: you know, you're really seeing as well. A lot of these American kids uh, are staying in the country. I mean, either, you know, before they could go through the development, the national development program, they might go up to Canada and play for the juniors and make their way into the league that way. But you're seeing a lot of guys stick around and, and, and play college hockey. And I think the biggest thing for the NCAA that could contribute to that is the the NIL deals. I mean, now these guys yep. can make yep. some serious money. Um, I know again, if you wanna listen to the the anybody listening, go listen to the Spit and Chicklets podcast. I know Ram Pecknold was saying that he didn't name names, but Quinnipiac lost one of their players because another team gave him a four year hundred thousand dollar deal in college cool. hockey. He transferred out.
0: Dude, I want to just read down this list really quick, just of the of some picks lately out of college hockey. All right, <clears throat> Logan Cooley obviously is going to be an NHL stud. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here: Alex Turcotte, um, Jake Sanderson, Owen Power, Um, Kale McCarr, Clayton Keller. Jack Eichel, Noah Hannafin, Zach Wurensky, Dylan Larkin, Jacob Truba, Jeremy Swayman, uh, Jeremy Swayman, UMaine, Charlie McAvoy, Blake, Blake Wheeler, even if you really want to go back. That's 2004. <laughs> but there's guys coming out of the NCAA right now that you should really be looking at. Um, yeah. A good level league and, and, and it just makes college hockey that much more exciting too because now you're, instead of just watching for the game, you're you're legitimately watching for these guys to become legit NHL prospects and make their way into whatever your favorite NHL team is. You can watch these guys play on almost a nightly basis in college and see them light it up and get excited over them yeah. coming to your team. You know what you're seeing a lot too is, is this is probably
1: the most – Right now, this is probably the most American talent the NHL has ever had. Yes. I mean, last year's MVP, Heart winner, American, Austin Matthews, Connor Hellebuck, American, just won a Vesna, Adam Fox, American, just won a Norse. I mean, there's so much American talent in the NHL right now. And I feel like we're at a point now where college hockey is big enough in this country. I just saved the tweet uh, the other day. The national championship, Quinnipiac in Minnesota, had the most, it was just under a million people. Watching it, it was the the highest viewed national uh, NCAA college hockey national championship game since like 2008, and uh, the last last year's Stanley Cup uh, finals averaged like just over a million viewers. And this year's college hockey national championship had just under 900,000. So college hockey is booming right now. And you're seeing a lot of these American players and not even American players. You're seeing Canadian players bypass Canadian juniors and come play in America. Kale McCarr is a perfect example of that. The dude committed to UMass Amherst. UMass Amherst yeah. he's he's <laughs> this is the same kid they're comparing on a nightly basis to like Bobby Orr and Paul yeah. Coffey he committed to western Massachusetts and he's a Norse winning defenseman only 24 Stanley Cup champion everybody knows about Kim McCarr but even yeah. like this uh Adam Fantelli kid from Michigan yes. any other year he would go first overall I mean right. it, 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 you know like the second coming of McJesus is. Potentially in this draft, so obviously Bedard is going to go first. But like, it's amazing we, you just mentioned as well. Owen Power was that not the year that four of the top five picks in the NHL draft were all from Michigan? Yeah, I mean, college hockey is booming. The, what would be absolutely huge for NCAA hockey right now would be if those Western Conference West Coast teams could get involved. You know, like yep. your Pac-12 teams, like if like your UCLA or whoever might be all these teams that have all this money. Cause like Arizona state, like you can just sink money into your program, build a rank, recruit guys, and you can have a fairly competitive turnaround. I mean, you're not going to be winning a national championship anytime soon, but Quinnipiac a perfect model of that. If you get the right guy in there and you recruit the right players and you foster the right culture, you can be a national champion. So, yes.
0: so those, those last years er, uh, yes. 2021 NHL entry draft. the, uh, the top five picks, four of them were from Michigan. It was Owen Power going number one, Maddie Beneers going number two, who's probably going to win rookie of the year this year. Uh, Luke Hughes went number four, who's making his NHL debut tonight with the New Jersey Devils. And then Kent Johnson, who went number five. And then, by the way, they had another pick in the first round, 24, Mackie Samoskovich for the Florida Panthers.
1: The only thing that might be more surprising than four Michigan players going in the top five, of the NHL draft is that that team did not win the national championship I somehow.
0: I can't believe <laughs> it. I know. I know. It. <laughs> I know. Um, but um, yeah, so college hockey, um, obviously congrats Quinnipiac, but college hockey is um, something that if you're a hockey fan and an NHL fan, if you want to get, some uh some knowledge on some prospects you want to see you not not youth hockey but um prospect hockey i guess um (laughs) watch college hockey it's on nesson all the time any hockey east team it's not like they favor bc or anything any hockey east it's always on nesson whenever the bruins aren't playing um and whenever charlie morris outdoors isn't on they're, (laughs) they're putting on college hockey but um um, I, we should, we should mention too, obviously Nessen gave out the seventh player award tonight. It was between, um, a lot of players. Um, but Pavel Zaka ended up taking home the trophy and rightfully so. I mean, he's come into this team this year. He's lit it up. I want to remind everybody, like Short Shift Pod, Andrew always says the trade was one for one. We swapped Eric Halla for Pavel Zaka, and somehow the league allowed it to happen. This is a I wanna, cheat. A cheat. I want to
1: remind everybody too that, um, like our, our third episode, this is the same guy that our old co-host Zach said wasn't gonna make much of a difference. Yeah. That he was basically the same as Jake the Brusque and they're both having career years. And they're
0: both fucking it
1: <laughs> But like, no, like, like Pavel Zaka absolutely deserves it. Even not just, of course, he's having a career year and everything he's contributed, but um You know, you've had games where Krejci's gone down, whether he was hurt or he was not playing. You've been able to give Bergeron a breather every now and then because you can slide Zaka up to your first or second line center wherever you might need him. And he's done everything that this team has asked. And, you know, he's still only, what is he, 26, if that? I mean, they just locked him up for another four years. Um, I, for one, am very excited with him going forward. Now, I want to ask you if... If Bergeron and Krejci retire, I feel like we ask this question all the time, but if Bergeron and Krejci retire, let's just say Krejci retires, how comfortable do you feel
0: with Pavel Zaka being your second
1: line center next year?
0: At this point, I'd be okay. I mean, listen, dude, listen. He's got, he's played 80 games this season. He's got 21 goals, 36 assists. He's got 57 points. He's a plus 28. He only has 16 penalty minutes. Um Eight power play points. Um, let's see here: three game winning goals. Shooting percentage is sixteen point four. That's actually really high for basically a <laughs> full season. And face off percentage is forty three point four. He's 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 flourishing here in Boston. And just to compare, um, Pavel Zaka's fifty seven points to David Krejci right now. David Krejci is playing that that as the second-line center for the Bruins, obviously. Right now, he's got 56 points. So Pavel Zaka is, is outproducing, well, timeout, actually. Uh, Krejci has played 70 games, but nonetheless, I mean. Well, you could he, say Bergeron
1: has top-line center. He's got 27 goals this year. He has the exact same amount of points that Pavel Zaka
0: has. Right, or same amount of goals no points. They both have 57 points. Okay, well then, boom. There we go. So, I would I would honestly there are far worse people and far worse scenarios that were without the Bruins were dangerously close to encountering to um fill in that second line center role. Pavel Zaka is fine. I would feel totally fine with him there, especially especially if they keep him with Pasta. You know oh what's my God. you know what's crazy too is that there
1: there are actual like real like breathing devils fans out there who don't think that they lost the trade
0: come on they're just (laughs) dude they're just salty they don't they're they they deep in their hearts they they know they lost that trade and they know they wish they still had pavel zaka oh my god come on if you're denying that you're just you're just being a dick you're literally just being an asshole if you really think that you won that trade as a devil's fan you
1: know what else too? While we're on the topic of uh, players who are performing quite well, Tyler Bertuzzi, man. Oh my What's he God. Got, I, I mean, it's like you always say it's a near lock for Jake DeBrus take the over two and a half shots per game. Um, yeah. By the, Tyler, by the Bertuzzi, way, I, I th-
0: took that th- th- tonight he's already at two shots. It's the oh, perfect. I, I
1: took it too. Listen, I've, go. I've swung a missed on a, a few bit. I, I had to take it. I had a delete the app from my phone temporarily because I was <laughs> swinging and missing on too many apps. I mean, too many bets. So, uh, if DeBrusque can get three That will be three shots, that would be nice. But I was going to say, it's almost a near lock. Take the over two and a half shots on Jake DeBrusque. If there is a take the over half an assist for Tyler Bertuzzi, take it. Because yeah. the dude seems to get an assist every single game. He's got eyes on the back of his head. And that's a guy too. You know, you could have some question marks throughout your roster next year if guys retire or leave. I want Sweeney to do anything he possibly can to lock up Tyler Bertuzzi to be a part of this team moving forward because I love his game, I love his play style, and
0: I love what he's able to do playmaking-wise. Now, let me ask you this question. If you could, if you were Sweeney, who would you prioritize resigning, Orlov or Bertuzzi?
1: I think... I remember we asked this question a couple weeks ago, and I yeah. said Orlov, but I think if you can convince if you can convince Lori to stay and to not go back to Ohio State I would feel more comfortable signing bertuzzi yeah and that and like like Lori might I don't even would if if he stayed would he even like get
0: big minutes on the club next year uh I would say yes I would say yes I bet he plays uh that third line pairing role. I mean, I mean, why not? Honestly, if yeah. you're going to be able to keep him in your lineup at a, at a league minimum of like, I don't know, like 900 K or whatever he would make for the, his entry level contract. I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but um, you're saving money there. You're going to have a guy who is, his ceiling is high. Um, You have the ability to pair him up with, with a multitude of guys that you already have with the team. Um. And it's going to be good for his development, anyways. I mean, like we were just talking about with college hockey guys, most of them are ready to kind of jump into a lineup if yep. they're a high pick and if they're producing at the college level, they're they're more often than not ready to at least slide into an NHL lineup and be uh, and not be a liability. Um, I think Laurie fits into that role. So I'm with you. I would say you resign Bertuzzi. You worry about that forward group. You already have Lindholm. You already have McAvoy, um, and then you got you you uh, you got a whole handful of guys who can play the bottom four for the defensive pairings. But um, with Bertuzzi, so Bertuzzi with Detroit had 14 points and. So far with the Bruins since the trade deadline he's played 19 games at the Bruins. He also has 14 points. How many <laughs> of those how many of those points are assists? 10, 11. So this man, like you you had mentioned on a couple crazy. episodes ago, his playmaking ability if you just watch him, um he's able to find like he's he's not a shooter. He's not a shooter. He can score, but he's not a scorer first he's definitely a guy who's looking to make plays for other guys to score and when you have a guy like pasta on your opposite wing then it's a perfect fit like he finds pasta every single time oh i i loved
1: that line with pasta when they were playing um philly the other night i mean it just seemed like they were just toying with him the whole time it felt like if the bruins really wanted to they could have won 10 nothing
0: and by, like, the like way, a, by the way, not only that, but Pasta could have had like seven goals that game. He he ten, ripped two posts. He could yeah, have had five he, goals in the first two periods. Dude, two posts, 10 shots on goal. I think he had four shots that missed the net. And he had three goals to hit 60. Um, I believe right now, he's I, I think he's five behind McDavid for, for goals. I think he's four. I think
1: McDavid still is 64. He might have scored another one. I don't know. Let's I see. would be surprised if he did.
0: Connor McDavid at, yeah, he's at 64 and Pasta's at 60. Yeah, so I mean, if Pasta finishes out the season and he plays all 82 games, there's, I, I it's not out of the realm of possibility that Mc, that Pasta could I would score McDavid. He's not catching him in points. I mean, McDavid is well, yeah. I don't know. He could pop off for a 50 point game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right now, McDavid's at 151. Leon Drysaddle's 124. Nikita Kucherov, 110, Pasta, 109. So, Which is actually
1: crazy because I, I tweeted about it. And, like, sure, Pasta has a lot of goals. But, like, I feel like more people should be talking about what David Pasternak is doing this year. And I feel like because of what you're seeing from the the duo of McDavid and Dreisaitl and even Nugent Hopkins, another guy up at Edmonton who's has a power play merchant, dare I say, 60-plus points in the power play. He only has, like, 40 five-on-five 40, uh, five points. But... I tweeted this the other day. Last year, Austin Matthews, your heart winner, right? The guy won the heart. He won the rocket. He won the Pearson. He was even on the cover of NHL 23. He had 60 goals, 106 points. One of the greatest seasons an American has ever had. Got his flowers. He actually played so well that there were real takes of people saying that this guy's on the same level as McDavid. Now, don't get me wrong. Most rational players are saying, listen, you're just a Toronto fan. You're smoking crack, but the guy played amazing <laughs> last year. I think McDavid had like 123 points last year. So he still had more points than Austin Matthews, but the 60 goals is, is what got Matthews the heart. This year, pasta has 60 goals in 108 points with two games to go. 109 points now, actually. So, Pasta has the same amount of goals and he has more assists than the guy who won the heart rocket Pearson and the NHL cover athlete last year than the guy who yep. everybody was saying is going to bring the the ring home to Toronto. And, you know, your David Pasternak, the guy you just locked up for 11 years at a little over 11 per is putting up better numbers than what Austin Matthews did last year. It's just it's amazing. It's just it seems like this guy can do nothing wrong at this point. I mean, it, the goalie knows where he's setting up and he knows when he's going to shoot the puck and he still can't save it. Like oh. those goals against Philly the other day, like two of them were like one-timers, right on the, right on the dot, right on the circle, and they couldn't do anything about it. Um, I know we talked about it, like, when one of our earlier episodes, how like he's becoming like Alex Ovechkin, you know, like he has, everybody knows what's coming. He's setting up on the circle for a one-timer and it's going in the back of the net and there's nothing you can do about it. And like David Posnok is starting to become into that same area. You know where he's going to be. He's got 18 power play goals. He's going to set up right there, take his one-timer, and there's nothing you can do about it.
0: Yep. Now I, I, this is kind of off topic, but I have a question for you. So obviously the heart is locked up. The heart is going to McDavid for sure. It's if if it doesn't, there's some something is wrong with the voters. Um, the Vesna should be locked up. That should be all marks. Um, Rocket Richard, I guess, is probably going to McDavid, but Pasternak is making a strong final push for that. Um, now it comes down to the Norris. The mm-hmm. Norris. Let's talk about the Norris for a second. So obviously. Eric Carlson having an unbelievable season for the San Jose Sharks, a shitbag team, but yet Eric Carlson still managed to hit 100 points. He's only, I believe, the sixth. De- no, I'm sorry. He, yes, he is the sixth defenseman in NHL history to reach 100 points as a defenseman. The other four, Bobby Orr and Paul Coffey, they did it five times each. Insane. Um, and then the other three, Al McGinnis, Brian Leach, and Dennis Potvin, who all did it once. So Eric Carlson, obviously, is is producing at a rate that he hasn't produced at in years. Um, So for sure the MVP of the Sharks. But the Norris Trophy is an award for best defenseman. Do you know, Mel... And all of you listening, how many goals that Eric Carlson has been on the ice for that have been scored against the Sharks? I'm going to say 40. 98. <laughs> Holy shit. He's, he's been on the ice for 98 goals against Mel. Which is which is ridiculous
1: because when you put in the context everything you just said first defenseman to get 100 points and i believe it was like 30 years he's oh a minus God. 21 yes how do you have 100 points as a
0: defenseman and you're a minus 21 and, and 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 okay there's there's a point that has been made for years and i could not agree with this point more i can't there should be two trophies for defensemen best offensive defenseman, and on then your just, award, yes, and then the best overall defenseman award. Hampus Lindholm, right now, as we all hear it 17 times on the Nesson broadcast, <laughs> because Jack Edwards says it every, every single TV timeout, he says it. But Lindholm, right now. I believe he's at 48 points. He's got 10 goals, 38 assists. Um, Only 15 of those points have come on the power play. Um, But he's leading. And I I, I understand that plus minus isn't the best overall stat to really gauge a player's value. But Hampus Lindholm is leading the league um, at a plus 48. He's a plus 48 compared to... Eric Carlson's. What did you say? Minus twenty one. Minus twenty one. Yeah, and also minus just to,
1: just to kind of put that plus forty eight into into perspective, you know, Zdeno Chara, you know, one of the premier lockdown defensemen in the history of the NHL. Yes, his career high and plus minus, if I'm not mistaken, is a plus thirty three. Yes, and Hampus Lindholm is at a plus plus forty eight with a couple games left, but I think that's a good idea having an offensive defenseman award as well as a defensive or your traditional Norris. Yeah. Um, but I guess I, who would be and your Norris today? Would you give it to Lindholm? Because I know the analytics the
0: analytics put Lindholm at number two. I don't know, honestly. I think the Norris is a toss up. There's a, there's a couple guys that you could throw in there and I feel like the Norris should always be a toss up because there's plenty of good defensemen in the league and I don't want to get this Misconstrued say Eric Carlson was producing at the same rate, right 100 points, whatever. But he was say a plus 15 compared to Hampus Lindholm's 48 points and plus 48. Eric Carlson should still win the Norris if that's the case, and he should win the Bobby or the, the theoretical Bobby or award as well. Mm-hmm. You, I think there's, there's room where you where a player could win both in and. And, you know, be the best offensive defenseman, but also while maintaining that production also be as, you know, a a good enough defenseman where where you can kind of take away some other attributes and 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 look at that offensive production matched with what he's doing on defense as well. But. But because he is a minus 21, he's been on the ice for 98 goals against. I don't care what he's doing offensively. As a defenseman, that sucks. That's so bad. <laughs> that is so
1: bad. I feel like like the Norris, the Norris and the Vesda, in my opinion, are the two hardest awards yes. to vote for. Because I mean, usually when you look okay, when you look at the Hart trophy winner it more often than not eight times out of 10, it's whoever led the league in points. I know last year, Austin Matthews won, didn't lead the league in points when Taylor Hall won. He only had like, I don't even think he had 90 points, but he won your heart trophy. Sometimes those are just obvious though. When you have a player like Taylor Hall who literally put the entire state of New Jersey on his back and carried them into the playoffs. But like when it comes to winning the Norse, like it entirely depends on, what you value more like I feel like right. surface level you look at a guy like Eric Carlson what do you say he's like the sixth defenseman ever to have 100 points in a season yep um first time in like 30 years he's pushing 30 goals he's at 25 right now these are all numbers we've hardly seen from a defenseman cut and right. dry he's your Norse. but at the same time like there's kind of like not a snowball's chance in hell this guy's gonna win because he's a minus 21 so it all kind of depends on like what You value more, so I guess it's maybe trying to find that sweet spot, and that's why I look at a guy like I look at a guy like Adam Fox, seventy-one points plus twenty-eight for a Rangers team that's going to make the playoffs. Yep, I would not be surprised if the season ended tomorrow and Adam Fox is your Norris Trophy winner. But like, there's so many different ways you could weigh the Norris reward. If you take plus minus more into consideration of how to weigh a player's defensive contribution, you might vote for Hampus Lindholm. If you weigh more of what they can produce offensively, you might take Eric Carlson. If you want to find a little mix of you know, offense and that uh, minus defensive statistic, you might take... Adam Fox. And if you want to find a guy who's going to do all of that, he was hurt this year, but vote for Kale McCarr. Screw it. You know? So it's, it's, it's hard to vote for the Norris. It's, it's, it's going to be a toss up and it'll be interesting to see who wins, but we've said it before. I'm so happy for Eric Carlson for his resurgence. He's 32 playing for nobody. is out there in San Jose, man. Uh, Who knows? Maybe he'll have, I don't know what the record is off the top of my head. I know they're like a bottom six or seven team.
0: I bet you he would like to have Connor Bedard in his lineup next year, huh? Yeah, they're they're just bad. They're not even <laughs> worthy of saying what their record is. But, um, you know that, that I'm we're not trying to take anything away from Eric Carlson. Obviously, he's having an unbelievable season. Um, coming back from you know kind of falling off his cliff a little bit. Um, but all we're saying is that when you're looking at a, a or I, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for Nick, but when you When you're looking at a Norris trophy winner, stop just looking at the offensive production and look at the defenseman as a whole. It's a defenseman trophy for a reason. It shouldn't just automatically go to whatever defenseman has the most points. Sure, that's entertaining. And sure, it's definitely impressive what they're doing offensively, but it's a defensive-oriented trophy. It's not an offensive trophy. Look at what they're doing defensively and how they're helping their team on the back end, not just putting pucks in the net. It's a, it's a whole argument on what the, the, um, on what the voters value. But yeah. with that being said, we're probably about halfway through the episode right now. So um, I want to remind everybody that we are sponsored by the amazing Canada Wellness Company. Canna Wellness offers you four distinct experiences for the different challenges you may face throughout the day. Canna Sleep, Canna Mend, Canna Fresh, and Canna Boost. It's the trusted brand for sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins, nutrients, and herbal extracts in four compact sprays, it's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. It's like an entire health food store in your pocket and is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on the Canada Wellness Company to support high performance. So, Mel, let's talk about each product.
1: Let's do it. Canna boost gives you the ability to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize the healthy way. Use daily before you work out when studying for an exam and other times you need increased clarity, stamina, and concentration. Can men provides the after party liver support and works fast to relieve hangovers in the morning after drinking. This unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your body to combat headaches, sickness, and lack of energy. Can of fresh reduces stress and gives your body an immune system boost. Whether you're nervous before presentation or you need to calm down after a hectic day, the 11 natural and vegan ingredients in canna fresh take the edge off without making you drowsy or unmotivated. Gana sleep is an all-natural and vegan sleep aid, which is convenient and fast absorbing. No mixing beverages, no waiting for gummies to kick in, just spray, roll over and snooze. Control your dosage and how much sleep you need. If you want to try these amazing Cana Wellness all-natural oral sprays, please go to canawellness.com. That is C-A-N-I-wellness.com. And use our promo code BNG25. That is B-N-G-2-5. To get 25% off everything on the CanonWellness.com website. We thank Cana Wellness for sponsoring this episode and our weekly Boston Bruins related podcast.
0: Sully, back to you. Perfect. All right. So we got, I, I know we got a couple of uh, DMs through Twitter, but uh, if you know the hashtag no beer is safe fella out there, Nick Boosie, he sent me two questions today. Um, one was specifically for you, Nick. So you, oh. can, follow, you can follow him on Twitter, his podcast, um, also under the BNG podcast umbrella. You can follow them at only Bruins1. Um, he asked me and wanted me to ask you specifically: How many bottles of lotion did you go through watching that Quinnipiac game? <laughs> Not <laughs> enough. Not enough. <laughs> there wasn't a, there wasn't a big enough bottle to hold that, all that excitement down. I can't even
1: the the emotions that were going through my head watching that entire game. Right, because it, it's it, when the game started. I mean, I was just happy to be there. I was like, listen, first of all, like the Big Ten is lucky that Quinnipiac is not in the Midwest because Ohio State, see you later, Michigan, talk to you later, Minnesota, smell ya! They destroyed the Big Ten on their way to the National Championship. But going into that game, when they were playing Minnesota, I was like, listen, I'm just happy to be here. I know Minnesota's a wagon. It's the cradle of hockey in America. Blah, 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 blah. Quinnipiac's, <laughs> the big, Quinnipiac's on the big stage. People always say death, taxes, and a Quinnipiac lost the National Championship. Let's just make it competitive. Boom, right off the bat, turnover one nothing Minnesota. I'm going, well, shit. That entire first period, Minnesota, like dominated Quinnipiac. Um, and I was like, well, like let's just, let's just get one, right? Like, let's not get shut out of the national championship game. And then boom, it was two one. Quinnipiac pretty much owned the entire second half of the second period, maybe three quarters of the second period two to one going into the third period Quinnipiac was taking it to him at that point I was going crazy I was saying that this has to happen my roommate Mike who's in Tampa in the stands is banging on the glass we're all going crazy in the group chat uh they tie it two to two and now I'm thinking holy shit oh my god they did it and like I love Quinnipiac man my alma mater but the whole game I was like I'm just happy to be here and when they actually made it two to two and it was going into overtime and Quinnipiac had over double their shots I was like oh my god we actually might win this and then 10 seconds into overtime everyone knows the rest of the story so not enough bottles I was psyched up Um, high fives are going around everywhere it was amazing and now I'm
0: ready for the repeat so his other question this is a legit question Again, from downtown Boozy, only Bruins. Uh, shout out. He asked, obviously with Forbert coming back and seeming to be a little bit healthier now, coming towards playoffs, um, he said, one, do you put him in the lineup? And two, if you do, who do you have as the odd man out if if Forbert is, is uh, injected in? I have my answer. Oh. Um...
1: Honestly, I don't think I'm putting him in right now. Me either. If it I, works, I, keep I it rolling, baby.
0: Yeah, and I know Lauren's gonna be pissed about that, but yeah. I, like, listen, like right now, without Forbert, this is your this is your defensive pairings, Orlov, McAvoy. You don't fuck with that. Yeah, I don't want to say that. Carlo, you don't screw with that. Grizzlick and Clifton, I don't really see why you would take him out. Yeah. And I mean, Derek, Derek Forbert, he's a solid
1: defenseman, right? He's pretty good defensively blocks a lot of shot, but man, his bread and butter is on that penalty kill. And the Bruins killed off like 60 in a row while he was out. So I don't know. I like Derek Forbert, but it's it's a classic case of uh, just having too many cooks in the kitchen. There's too many good defensemen. Somebody's got to sit. Grizzlick was sitting for a while. Forbert got hurt, unfortunately, or he was out of the lineup and and the Bruins kept winning without him. So I think it's a it's a matter of uh if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And maybe uh-huh. if, you know, people get banged up in the playoffs, he could always go back and take a spot. But if he were to go back in the lineup, who would you take him out for? Or who would you take out for him?
0: If if he did go into the lineup, I guess uh, Grisly, uh Yeah. But I don't want to... uh, I understand that sometimes Grizz is a defensive liability, but then the argument for the penalty kill is valid, but also if you look at the numbers since Forbert's been out, obviously Forbert in the PK is good. It's great. But if you look at the numbers since Forbert's been out, the penalty kill has actually been a little bit better. Oh, don't say that too (laughs) loud. I know, I (laughs)
1: know. Yeah, I know, but... I, I agree with you though. If you had to take if you had to take somebody out, I think I would probably take Kuzlick out just because I love the pairing of Clifton and Forbert.
0: Yeah, I, I I just like the the team is so deep. Where trust me, Forbert would be in the lineup or in any team, any other team than the Bruins, he's in the lineup. But this team is so goddamn deep. Like, what do what are you supposed to
1: do? I know, I know, and it's crazy because you also like a lot of these guys like kind of like play themselves. Uh, I don't want to say a lot oh. of these guys, mostly referring to Clifton who played himself into a role where he, you don't want to take him out. He mm. coming into the season, he's the extra defenseman and it's great to see his development throughout the year because I'll say it again. He's a pack guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But I'm on a huge QU bender. <laughs> so let me, let me, let me ask you this question then with the team kind of rotating guys in and out. Do you want to see that in the playoffs or do you want to see a solid lineup? No, I want to see a solid lineup.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm a firm believer of you. You pick your guys and you ride your guys until they do you wrong or until they get hurt. Like I, that's why we can have a whole conversation with the goalies if we want. But that's why I still believe you pick your goalie, you pick your six defensemen, you pick your four lines, and those are your guys. I understand things change, guys get hurt. Maybe um, I mean AJ Greer is doing everything he can to play himself into a playoff spot by just dropping the mitts every single game. Cause every team needs one of those guys, but you know, who's to say the Bruins are down two one. They don't have a lot of momentum going their way. So they put AJ girl out there in the fourth line and go beat some guys up. I mean, things like that can happen, but I, am still a firm believer that you pick your guys and you ride your guys. And I think going into the playoffs, I would have Forbert as the odd
0: man out right now. Yeah, no, me too. And, and, and that's not a bad guy to have as your extra defenseman up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's always that, that risk if someone gets hurt. If someone gets hurt, you're more than comfortable putting Forbert right in there. Oh yeah. Um to take whoever gets hurt's, you know, in their spot. But um I, I know we did get another DM Mel if you want to pull that up. We actually got a voicemail. Interesting. Let's
1: go. This was from this Thursday at five eighteen in the morning. Wow! Grinding, wow. waking up with something's brewing on your mind. I,
0: I love was it. just gonna say that. <laughs> Wake up, and the first thing on the mind is the something's brewing pod. Let's go. Uh, all right, let me play this. <laughs> sixty.
1: All uh, right, we're at
0: sixty. We need three more to get to get the. Yeah, sorry guys. Uh, and we had three wins. We beat the Wings from 96-7. Not sure. Grands, leaking. Sorry, guys. I'm going to be honest. I'm not <laughs> sure what you just asked. I think, he, well, he was clearly still waking up. Yeah. I, think, I think he was saying that we needed... we needed uh, Three more wins to beat the 96-97 uh, Wings. I think so, but we only needed one. Either way, we, we got the record. Either way, we got the record.
1: Uh, Go back needed- to bed. We got the record, yeah.
0: baby. <laughs> I'm, glad, hey, I'm glad you woke up with us on your mind. He definitely woke up. Still room is pitch black. He's like, oh, I have this Bruins thought. I just, I need to call in the <laughs> phone. I need to get this out. But um, yeah, win record is broken. Um, the point record is still to be uh, taken. I think, I think they need three points over these next two games, so a regulation win to tie the record, I believe, and then either an overtime loss, shootout loss, or just, you know, might as well just win to just get, <laughs> to get that record against Montreal, by the way.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If In Montreal, too, if they could break Ooh. Montreal's all-time record in Montreal against Poetic. Montreal, Poetic. that's like chef's kiss. Perfect and our,
0: our boy from BNG, Chris Davis, is going to be in Montreal for that game, repping the bees, repping B'ng. He'll be in Montreal for that uh, potentially record setting game. So um, he'll Electric. be there to support the boys. All right. So we do have
1: two questions on Twitter. Sweet. The first one is from GoBees. You can follow him on Twitter at Boston Bruins. GoBees. Gobeez asks, former Bruins great Craig Smith, a.k.a. Rafters, returns to the garden tonight, which brings up the question, will we one day see his number raised to the rafters of TD Bank North Garden? Look,
0: listen, listen to me right now. If the Bruins win the cup this year, you better believe Craig Smith is getting not only a ring, Not only a ceremony, he already got a video tribute tonight, but you can bet your bottom dollar that no one else in the organization is ever wearing the number 12 again, because that baby is going up past the ninth floor up over the Jumbotron and right next to Bobby Orr, because Craig Smith is getting his number retired for what he contributed to this team. Oh yeah. Here's the
1: thing though. Technically no, because it's not, it's T isn't it TD bank garden now, not TD big North garden, but either way, like you said, that number is hanging between Bobby Orr number four, right next to Jack Edwards suit jacket. Just hanging there. People in the, in the upper deck can jump up and slap the tail of the jacket. Rafters is going up there. How's he been doing this year, by the way, since he went to Washington? I know he had like a he, he went through a, a streak where he had like six points in four games or something like that. I remember hearing about that. Doing everything uh, he can to pull pull Washington out of that like
0: freaking 13 seed or whatever they are right now. Well, Craig Smith in 20 games played with Washington has five points, four goals, one, one assist. Wait, wait, say those numbers again. 20 games played with Washington, four goals,
1: one assist, five points. 21 games played with the Bruins. Dmitry Orlov has three goals, 12 assists, and 15 points. (laughs) Thanks for for coming out, Craig Smith. (laughs) We also got another DM from Ellen. You can follow Ellen on Twitter at goaliehuggoals. Let's go. Ellen asks, question for the pod today. I'm loving pasta and Burt's on ice chemistry. Do you think there's any chance we'll see them on the same line when Krejci's back,
0: uh, I have such a hard time breaking up the check line. But the yeah. but but Bertuzzi and Pasternak together is so goddamn good. It could be a little teaser of what you're going to see next year. It could be. It could be if they can find a way to do it and 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 actually resign Bertuzzi for sure. Um, god damn this team man i i was just thinking like even next year dude like there's a chance that they're still this good no no no, it, no not this good but but pretty
1: but. damn good yeah they're still going to be a very competitive team and it's for sure it's like when you look through this roster like we know what the first line can do that check line is absolutely electric your third line i think we mentioned it a couple episodes ago you have a a, a guy who's only like f- three or four seasons removed from a heart trophy on your third line left wing. You have Girl. Charlie Coyle who teams in a pinch. Boom. I can be a first line center for a night or two and produce guy had like two apples the other day. He had that goal 10 seconds into the game against the Flyers. That's yeah. your third line center. And your right wing is Tyler Bertuzzi. Like it doesn't, I, that's, did, that, that's like, it. that's a second line on every team, in the NHL. And that's a first line on a team that's out of the playoff picture.
0: Dude. How in the world did Don Sweeney manage to to do all this? I don't, I... I, I'm like, I'm, you can't see the video version right now if you're listening, but like for the past like 30 seconds as Nick was explaining, I was just kind of like looking up at my ceiling baffled. I don't understand <laughs> how he's been able to create this team and build it to what it is. Uh, like, you know, I think we, it's, I don't have any words. I, we're, we're like
1: seven lines deep. I'm more so can't believe that other teams agreed to these trades. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, here, what, yeah. What is doing?
1: You have Ryan, Ryan Donato. Yeah. Here's Charlie Coyle. yo yeah. oh, Eric. <laughs> Eric Holler, yeah, we'll give you twenty-six-year-old Pavel Zaka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time. oh
0: yeah, yeah. We'll we'll take Eric Holler. Here's here's our sixth overall pick. And you know what? Yeah. By the way, we don't want any draft picks or anything. Oh my it? God! Is that Craig?
1: Is that Craig Smith here? Take our uh, top four defensive Stanley Cup champion, Dmitry Orlov, and Man. we'll even throw in Garnet <laughs> Hathaway. <laughs> like it doesn't make any even like Hampus Lindholm. Yeah,
0: we'll, yeah. We'll take oh, the guy with like whole, six yeah.
1: A's in his last name, Vakanine, and we'll give yeah, you yeah. Hampus Lindholm, a guy who could be a Norris contender.
0: And you know what? Why not? Like we'll take on John Moore's like fifteen million dollar contract. I forgot all about him. Yeah,
1: it, like it literally. It it. Of course, Don Sweeney deserves all of the all like his flowers. For everything. Yes, but at the sure. same time, like, there's so many trades that you're just like, what are these people thinking? Who, remind me, who did they give up for Tyler Bertuzzi? I'll give um, you a hint. It wasn't anybody on the NHL roster. Wasn't it like a fourth or fourth round pick or a third round pick or some shit like that? It's like a second and a fourth. I keep on changing the picks. I've said three different draft picks now. But still, <laughs> like, the trades that this guy is pulling off. I think it's more so, um, do you think it's more so? sweeneyous or do you think it's more the nhl has a lot of really dumb gms i think the nhl just has
0: a lot of stupid gms i feel like the the bruins traded two draft picks for tyler bertuzzi um First-round pick in 2024, top 10 protected, and a fourth-round pick in 2025. And Detroit retained 50% of
1: the salary. Oh, my God. Uh, Don Sweeney's, like, speed dial on his phone has to extend with every single trade. Oh, what's that? I can flee Stevie White. Yeah, I'll add him to my favorites. Oh, what's that? Whoever's running the show over in uh, Washington can't complete a trade to save his life. Yeah, you're going to the favorites. If I were other teams' GMs at this point, I would seriously consider blocking Don Sweeney's number because anytime your phone rings and you see it's a Sweeney's and it's trade deadline time, you are going to get fleeced because that's yeah. what this guy does.
0: If you're an NHL GM and you see, you shouldn't even see Don Sweeney's name pop up on your phone because you should have his number blocked because you know yeah. you're about to get screwed. Oh, that's the thing about Don Sweeney. He will find you.
1: If you block yeah. his phone, he will show up on your front step and says, listen, a first he'll, and a fifth is all I can do. For Bertuzzi. he'll send you
0: a, He'll send you a fax. Yeah.
1: Cool. <laughs> I can't imagine Stevie Wy pulling out of the fax machine first and a fifth. Emmy retains Emmy retained 50% for Tyler. Bert-
0: <sighs> oh Stevie um, hey, Stevie Bong Rips was <laughs> about five bulls deep when he when he <laughs> accepted that trade. But um goddamn dude. Really quick, really, really quick. Um out of the three teams remaining for the last wild card spot, Pitt, Islanders, and the Florida Panthers, who do you want to face the most? Who do you want to face the least?
1: The team that I want to face the least is most definitely the New York Islanders. Yep. And the team that I want to face the most most is the Pittsburgh Penguins because Tristan Jari sucks.
0: Yep. I'm in the exact same boat. <laughs> uh, so Although,
1: Although- – I did want to add the goalie that's been playing for the Florida Panthers. Do not remember his name. Not Bobrovsky. Uh, Spencer Knights out. That dude has been on one hell of a heater. Alex Lyon. Alex Lyon. Yes. That's the lion Dude, he's like 30 years old. I don't know where the I hell know. he came from. <laughs> he reminds me of like, He's literally like single-handedly saving their season right now. No, literally. Him and him and Matthew Kachuk. I got wait. I want to go look at his stats. You know this is the oh the nhl right they have a a sub site for every single team in their league so like i'm on the florida panthers nhl.com slash panthers you go to stats i click on stats why am i seeing connor mcdavid it shows every stat leader from the nhl why would i want to look at that if i'm on the florida panthers website right sorry that just pissed me off okay hang on
0: do, 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 do,
1: do, do. You know how fast I type? I get comments all the time at work about how fast I can type. <laughs> all right, goalies, Alex Lyon. He started 13 games. He's 9-3 with a 2.8 goals against average and a 9.916 save percentage. But um, I don't know how many of these games came recently. But either way, this guy's been on fire as of late, and he's doing everything he can to help drag the Panthers into the playoffs. But you said it, though, dude. Kachuk? Yeah. He's having an unbelievable year. How dumb do you think the Calgary Flames? Also, the Calgary Flames, too, are getting hot. Battle of Alberta is on, baby. How dumb do you think? Yeah, I think so. Let me go look at the, at the, uh, Playoff race right now.
0: Winnipeg could miss. Winnipeg could miss, but Calgary is really going to turn on. Did you see Daryl Sutter went to Nick Ritchie last night for the for, for the yeah. shootout? And guess what happened? <laughs> yeah, I didn't no I even I didn't even. I didn't even have to watch to know. What I know. You put Nick Ritchie out with your season on the line, sure what do you? What do you? Do? I think he just wants to be back on the farm at this point. He's done.
1: Um. Oh, back to Alex Lyon quickly. His last five games. His last four games, he's four and zero. Against Columbus, he had a, a twenty-one save shutout. Against Buffalo, they won. He had he gave up one goal on forty shots. Against Ottawa, they won. He gave up two goals on fifty-eight shots. Set the Florida <laughs> Panthers all-time record for saves in a oh in a God. game. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they beat Washington. He gave up two goals on twenty-four. And then uh, playing Toronto, are they playing Toronto tonight? Two goals and 25 shots. Either way, good for him. And I hope everything's good with Spencer Knight as well. I know he he checked out. Uh he's getting help for what's going on with him. But yeah. Florida Panthers, man, they got a good roster. The the Atlantic division, like you mentioned, is absolutely loaded. And that's why, like sometimes, like I look at the Edmonton Oilers, they have the best record in the NHL since the all-star break by like two points over the Bruins. Yep. Shoot me. <laughs> Obviously, McDavid has 150 points. He's got 64 goals. Dry second in the NHL in points like 120. Nugent Hopkins, the first time in his career, is over 100 points. They have four 35 goal scorers on that team. But they're literally playing nobody. Like right. their their division sucks. So the bad. Western Conference sucks. I know Jack Campbell's been playing better as of late. But those are two goalies. I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw them heading into the playoffs. Um, and it's just interesting to look at that and like, to look at like pasta's 60 goals and 109 points in the Atlantic division, Kucharov's, what do you have? Like a hundred and 110, 112 110. points in the Atlantic division. To, like, don't get me wrong. What McDavid is doing is extremely impressive, 150 plus points. But at the same time, like it's, not equally as impressive, but extremely impressive as well. That, you know, Past is putting up 60, 60 goals. in the length division where there's littered with goalies or Eastern conference has littered with elite goalies um, and Kucherov doing what he's doing in Tampa. So that's my two cents. I'm sick and tired of this Oilers news. I've been hearing late. It's always been the Bruins all year because they've been doing shit that we haven't seen all year. And now just because the Oilers have a hot second half of the year. Oh, could they be a potential matchup to beat the Bruins in the Stanley cup finals? Screw off, baby.
0: <laughs> hey well welcome back to the something's brewing pod we were on a little break <laughs> but uh, we're back we're ready to roll um, next week we're probably going to record I think we said on Thursday night so an episode should be dropping on Friday Tuesday night we're both unavailable Wednesday is trivia night by the way our team me my girlfriend and her dad we're our names Hattrick we've won trivia the last six of seven rounds we're nasty hey don't mess about Two hat tricks. Bunches. Yeah, we're going for the event trick pretty soon. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so thanks for tuning in again. Um, as always, continue to send us DMs. Continue to send us voicemails. Um, you know, you wake up at 5 a.m., you have a Bruins thought. Fucking call us like that other guy did. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, shout out to you guys. So thank you guys all for listening and always jumping in. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming to the uh, BNG watch party at funky Murphy's the other week. Uh, We are planning on having another one for the playoffs game is still be is still to be determined. Maybe at funky's maybe at another venue. Um, We'll see Mel. I just wanted to add that Jake DeBrus just recorded his third shot of the game. There we go. Hey, the guarantee bet over two and a half shots for Z hits every time you're a fool. (laughs) If you don't take it, an absolute, Hooligan if you don't take it But um, hey As always thank you for listening As always you can follow the BNG Productions LLC company At BNG Productions on Twitter You can follow myself on Twitter At underscore Mike Sullivan And you can follow Nick on Twitter At Nick Melanson underscore Um, Yeah We'll be back next week Um, Playoffs should be right around the corner We're about to go on a run I don't want to hear any comparisons to the tragic 2019 Tampa Bay Lightning. This isn't even the same breath as them. Um, But yeah, thank you all for listening and we will catch you all next week. Bye. (laughs) I, <laughs> peered, I peered back at the camera and I was <laughs> like, "Are you forgetting to do it?" <laughs>
1: oh my god, that was
0: funny. Tampa, Tampa, Toronto is two-two right now. By the way, Tampa's what? fucking dumb, twenty-seven shots to fifteen. What's the score of the uh, Bruins game? Uh, Bertuzzi just scored! Go!